I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Outer Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for the fifth quarter. My name is Emma Race and I am thrilled today to be joined by Lisa Alexander AM. You would know her as the former coach of the Australian netball team. I know her to be a freedom fighter for equality in sport and a Hawks fan. Lisa, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, that's pretty good actually. A freedom fighter and a Hawks fan. I'm happy with that. (laughs) Freedom fighter, yeah, definitely. Um, Putting your head above the parapet at the moment is attracting a fair bit of attention. But the exciting news today just filled me with so much hope and joy for the future of the four the four extra teams being added to the AFLW. I'm just I'm absolutely delighted. And of course for Hawthorne it means Beck Goddard. The AFL has just announced that four new teams will be admitted into the AFLW at the end of next year. Did you ever think you'd see it? I think I did. I just knew that the weight of numbers would just be too great for the AFL to ignore it. And that's been the case. I think we've put our case really well, women in sport, particularly the AFLW community has just said, no, this is not the right thing to keep people out. You need, if you've got 18 men's teams, you have 18 women's teams. And it's terrific. What would be your message to the footy departments and the boards of the teams that will be coming into the AFLW? Well, I'd say particularly the boards and the leaders of those boards, particularly the ones with football experience, but not just that corporate experience, should understand that you don't ignore 50% of the talent. And the argument about that's not what the players want, the players have only seen men coaching football. They haven't seen the grassroots. So we have to actually be radical and go against the trend and introduce women into those positions because we know it's the right thing to do. It's not about whether it's high performance at this particular stage. It's actually the right thing to do to start women in coaching being the norm. You recently put your hat in the ring for the North Melbourne men's team head coaching job and you've you've been really explicit about your desire to coach AFLM. I want to ask you how much is throwing your hat in the ring to get the job and how much is it to bash through the door for the next generation? It's a really good question because you don't go into coaching really just to bash your head through a ceiling, that's for certain. There is a certain part of that and there's an ego-driven part of that. There's an ego-driven part to wanting to get the job. 
because you think you're actually the best person for the job, regardless of whether you're a woman or a man. And that's actually how I feel. I feel I am one of the best coaches in Australia at this stage in any sport. And I just probably need the opportunity to show that. And that's going to take a a team and a club that values innovation, values giving, seeing the adaptability of skills from one sport to the next and appreciating that I've got high performance coaching skills, which is actually what you need for that particular job. I have thought that when you put your hand up for AFL coaching jobs, what's often missed is that this has been an aspiration for a very long time for you. And as a woman, how else would you get high performance experience other than via a national team like the Diamonds, where you have demonstrated international success? For the for the opportunities that you've gone for or talked about, has anyone ever filled you in on what the what they're looking for if it's if it's not that? Yeah, it's apparently, and I asked Lee Matthews this question actually on radio last week when he didn't include me in the 92 applicants for the Collingwood Football Club men's program. And I said to him, well, what are you looking for, Lee? And he said to me, I'm looking for you to have an understanding of the intricacies of the game. And what I would say to Lee is, and at at the time what I said was, you know, I have played the game. I actually have understood the intricacies of the game from playing it and not at the level that you're talking about, but not every player transitions to a coach either, whether you're a man or a woman, regardless. And we've had that in netball as well. It's not always the best players that become the best coaches. It just so happens that I was one of the first non-Australian playing netball coaches to coach the Diamonds for quite some time. It's usually ex-players that get there, but they do get their coaching qualifications. What we have a problem with in the AFL at the moment is men being parachuted into those roles without the credentials to back that up as well. There are many women who've coached in the community levels and even the pathway levels who deserve an opportunity. And yes, The players might say, oh, I don't know that coach, but let's give that coach an opportunity to coach that group and assess them later. I don't think it's a big risk. I think it's actually a a considered calculated risk to take that person on rather than somebody else who is using it as a stepping stone to get into the men's uh, coaching game. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Melissa Hickey and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. When you submitted your expression of interest for the North Melbourne senior coaching role, was there an open process for applying and is the process female-friendly? That's a good question. I don't know whether it was female-friendly at all because I don't really know what that is, to be honest. All I know is how I've applied for netball jobs in the past, which is to put your CV in and then usually you get an interview and you're able to do a presentation. Um, I was 
you know, encouraged to put in my CV, but I was told my feedback was that there wasn't enough industry experience, football industry experience. And, you know, there I would say, well, I've had high-performance sport system experience in a different sport. doesn't mean that I can't apply those skills in that. And I've used the argument about CEOs in various businesses across the world who go from one company to the next. Now, they don't necessarily have to have been an expert in Grain Corp to be the expert in BHP. They're an expert as a CEO and how they manage the business and their strategy and their decision-making skills and their ability with the media and a whole raft of skills that you actually need as a head coach of an AFL men's program. And in fact, I'd say that the clubs are being remiss because they're not exploring the innovation that could be available to them if they put somebody in from another sport who could actually see some of the inefficiencies in the football departments and programs and overlap or things we've always done this way, well, why have you done them that way? They don't know because they haven't put that to the test. Well, it's interesting. There was an article in The Age that quoted that in 2002, Dr Rick Charlesworth, the coach of the hockey teams, gave coaching advice to Fremantle coach then, Chris Connolly, and his predictions on what future game styles might look like, and it included higher bench rotations, setting up the players in non-traditional formats, and pressing up more into the forward line when the oppo are in defence. All of those ideas were radical for 2002, but they were key to hockey success. By 2009, all of these moves had been adopted by several teams, and so it proves prescient that actually looking outside the sport does have benefits. And then we look at transferable skills. We look at David Rath is a biomechanist who has worked at Hawthorne, is now at St Kilda in game analysis. And they seem to find windows and opportunities for people who do have transferable skills when it suits them. I mean, Alistair Clarkson was a real left field coaching choice for Hawthorne, if you recall at the time, and he didn't have everyone's support on the board. So I wonder when will they wake up? How do we make them wake up to these opportunities if we can present all of these findings? Is AFLM really that unique that it cannot accept other high-end opportunities? Well, I think what will end up happening is that the AFLW will lead the way. It'll be the more radical place, hopefully, and less conservative as long as it's got the right leadership in place. And I speak to something like a Richmond football club where Peggy is the chair of that board. There's no way they would have gone down the track they went without that sort of different style of leadership and with Brendan Gale, of course. And so the leadership at the board is critical and vital, as is the CEO's leadership. It needs to be questioned because there is a lot of government money going into AFL It is not right that you are closing the door to 50% of the population. It's actually immoral. When you've gone for these coaching jobs or you put your hand up or, I mean, it's very very clear that you're interested, do other roles get offered to you, like board roles or game analysis roles or supporting coaches? I haven't been inundated, no. There's a few that do. I think the boat sailed as far as I'm concerned in that area. I think people have just decided that I'm probably too much of a troublemaker to have on board. So that's fine as long as I make the way for the next generation to be considered. And I think that is happening. I can see the sports scientists that are now becoming part of football departments who are women 
and they are actually asking the questions and they're starting to agitate. There is also within the administrations and boards of, of, of football clubs where those questions are starting to be asked. It is happening. It's, it's too slow, in my opinion. We're behind other countries in regard to this, as we are in many other areas. And so what we need to do is ask ourselves, what's the right thing to do or the correct thing to do? Also, stop ignoring your talent. It's a sport. It's a high-performance sport. It's competitive and you are ignoring 50% of your talent. It's as simple as that. In in regard to me, that's the most powerful argument. I will say that unless people see you as a difficult woman, you're probably not doing it right. So I'm going to <laughs> well, that's that. the thing. In high, and that's the whole thing. In high-performance sport, if I was a man, I'd be revered mm. um, because I am difficult, you know, a pain in the backside. I question things because I want excellence. And it's not, it's not equated with my gender as much as it is with men but we're getting better at that I think we're seeing examples of it all the time now with young women who are leading the way the holy ransoms there's you know people in science there's people in fintech all sorts of different industries that are doing really creative exciting things so it's just going to be a weight of numbers it's it's going to come and it's you guys as well I mean you're a great example of beating through that it's it's hard to get commentary that comes from females about sport and you guys have done that you've broken that ceiling you've gone out on your own that's exciting yeah but it's also exhausting if you've been doing it for a long time like you have and you've got the credentials to back it up you know someone passes on you once twice and then all of a sudden no one wants to take a leap yet men in the system do seem to get well they get they get second and third chances i'm going to ask you if you've seen opportunities that have been presented and and acted on around the world where coaches have transitioned from one sport to another and I will accept Ted Lasso as an answer. Is there any others? Rick Charlesworth is a classic example. He's a cricketer who played hockey. So he could easily, and he did look after the high-performance program for cricket in New Zealand and did a really good job to getting them started on the way that they're they're absolutely booming over there. So he shows you that it is transferable and he goes from the men's to the women's program. If Rick can do it, I can do it. I'm not saying I'm as good as Rick, but I certainly have followed a lot of his philosophies. I love him as a coach, the way he is intensely after excellence. Well, so am I. The only difference is that I've got XX and he's XY. I I just think Australia misses out. Australian sport is missing out on half of its talent and that goes for the same for the Olympic sports where we only had 10% of the coaches at the recent Tokyo Olympics who were women and it's just not good enough. When you talk about coaching, what is being a coach? Well, you are a performer and that's what you see on game day and um, I remember saying this to a group of netball coaches years ago and I use Kevin Sheedy as an example that he has a terrific way of performing his role as a coach. It's not necessarily him as a person, but look, at the end of the day, you're, you, you come out of that performance anyway. So what, what I was trying to say was that coaches need to prepare themselves for game day as well as the athletes do because they've got to give their best on that day. They've got to make all the right decisions. They've got to be well hydrated. They've got to have had sleep, all of those things to lead well. You know, but certainly from my point of view, the role of the coach is to improve the players or athletes at your disposal that you've been put in charge of, that you're in care of. So as a leader, 
you've got to look after that group to the best of your ability. And I've always said it's person first and athlete second, and it's team first and individual second when you're coaching a team. And that's the hard part in, and that's the complexity of team coaching. My final question, why is it important for netball to be in the Olympics? It's a great question. It's so important because at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of people that have said deserving, we're deserving. You don't deserve anything. You earn it. You earn respect. I think netball's earned it in this country to be one of the sports that is put forward by this country's Olympic Committee. It's going to take John Coates to get it over the line. We're going to have to convince him but he will support it if we put the right arguments to him. And we need, you know, we need advocates like you to put that forward because I think it is the right thing to do. It's played by 20 million people around the world, here in Australia by at least 2 million if you include the social netballers. So I think really it should be in there. I think it needs to be a gold medal sport for this particular Olympics. Whether it stays there, I don't know. And perhaps the mixed netball and men's netball could be demonstration sports as well to show the breadth and depth of the sport and how we are inclusive as well. Well, I fully endorse it. And thank I thank you so much for joining me today on what is a really momentous day for women in sport. It is. It is actually. I'm, I'm delighted I got to talk to you today. It's, it's, it's awesome. You know, I never thought I'd say it, Lisa. I really didn't. <laughs> I know. We've got to keep pushing. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's so much pushing that this is something we can actually really enjoy. And Yeah, we can. It'll be terrific. Yeah, it's great. Thanks so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum. We really appreciate your voice. And well, you know I'm one of the original Outer Sanctums, really. Day one. Back in the day, I was on there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.